Okay, so we have a lot to cover with contracts, and to be honest, some of it I don't really understand. I'm going to do my best, um, but there are a few questions that I don't fully get, and so we'll work our way through it. Uh, but first, I want to finish up our discussion on the parole evidence rule. There was one more thing that we didn't get to, one more case, I should say, that we didn't get to. Uh, but first, to introduce this case, we need to understand the difference between a requirement contract and we need to understand what a, a, an output contract is. Let's just start with a requirement contract. A requirement contract is just saying, everything you buy, I will end up producing. And this really, it, that's just a really brief sentence of what that is. It just means that party A is required to purchase at the price established by RDB. And so is really how are we going to figure out how these prices and this, what I'm required to buy is actually me measured. And then this is all underneath the UCC, uh, Chapter 2, Section 306. So that leads us to Nanakuli paving in Rock Co. versus Shell Oil Co. What happened here is that Nanakuli is an asphalt company. They pave roads and they get their asphalt from Shell. And so they have this provision here where they're trying to uh, figure out um, how much asphalt is going to be supplied and for what price. And I mean, oil varies. And as a result, because oil varies, the price varies greatly for the cost of asphalt because asphalt is a byproduct of oil. And so if the price for oil goes up, so does the price for asphalt. And if the price for oil goes down, so does the price for asphalt. And things can vary a lot. In Nanakuli and Shell, we're trying to get into the industry here in Hawaii. Uh, in this instance, they were both trying to grow. And so they formed a contract together uh, of mutual benefits to try and increase the ability to actually function. The issue here, there, there's a lot that goes into this. Because of it, Nanakuli was obligated to purchase asphalt from Shell because of this contract. But the thing is, is oil prices vary. And so Shell would change the prices, it would go up, and then Nanakuli's like, yikes, I have to spend a lot more money for oil. Well, for asphalt. And so one thing that was going on at the time was a thing called price protection. You would preserve the buyer by protecting the old price so that there's no harm that really comes to the buyer at the new price. And you can do this either by giving them proper notice so that old uh, price uh, projects can be completed. Uh, you can build that into the contract where it says, I won't raise it above this price, or you'll always give me a discount, a uh, bigger discount than any other asphalt that you sell to anybody else. So there's a lot of ways that you could protect the price, but the thing is here is that the price was not protected. And when Nanakuli ended up suing because this price was not protected and the prices raised and they didn't get notice, uh, the court excluded a lot of this oral evidence as to the price. Ultimately, though, there are three terms that we need to take away from this. Nanakuli says that price protection uh, was something that was common in the trade. Uh, 
So we learn three terms. The first is trade usage, the second is course of dealing, and the third is course of performance. Trace usage are the actions that is being done by everybody in that industry. So Nanakuli is arguing, saying, hey, everybody else in the industry protects the price. It should be common sense that it's just price protected, even though we didn't write that term into the contract. And then also, so course of dealing are actions that parties have had together but in prior contracts. In this instance, there were two prior contracts. In those dealings, um, Shell had price protected two previous times, they just didn't do it on this instance. And so that's course of dealings. And then course of performance are actions that the parties are doing on the current contract. So on this current contract, has Shell price protected in the past? And this is the strongest of the three arguments. If you're going to make these arguments, they make more sense the more structured they get. Because if you think about it, trade usage, outside influence, course of dealings, past dealings, course of performance, current dealings. And so that all kind of makes sense. Ultimately, what we learn from this is that even with the parole evidence rule, things like trade usage, course of dealings, and course of performance can still be used to interpret contracts. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.